In time, I was finishing off in the kitchen. This morning's reading is taken from 1 Corinthians, um, chapter 12, which is headed up, Spiritual Gifts. Um, verse 3 to 11. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given the thought, the, sorry, I'll start again. To one, there is given through the Spirit the measure, message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing the Spirit between the Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these works of one and the same spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks, Jane. Well, if you've been uh, with us most weeks or been following along since Easter, we've been kind of broadly following the story of what happened. Jesus burst back into life. He spends some weeks visiting and meeting with his disciples and explaining to them why he had to die, but he was really alive. He then ascends back to be with the Father in glory, sends his Holy Spirit at Pentecost, particularly at that point to Jews gathered from around the known world, if you like, at that time, hearing the good news of Jesus the Messiah. And then how that message went out, not only to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles, that Jesus has come. He is the saviour of the world. And now as we follow through uh, in the uh, sort of series of things, uh, we're reading uh, and hearing from Paul, who was one of the key, perhaps the key person in taking that message about Jesus out, especially to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. And he is explaining here uh, about God sending his spirit and what God has sent his spirit to do. We're going to think about that in a moment, so let's pray. Jesus, thank you that we can be included in this ongoing story. That the good news of Jesus, God, who died, rose again and ascended to glory one day to return, comes to us and invites us to put our faith and our trust in you. And then to receive this gift of your spirit, your presence with us, giving us faith, growing your fruit in us and equipping and gifting us to play our part in the coming of your kingdom. So Lord, as we think about this this morning, would you give us ears and hearts that are ready to receive 
what you're saying to us from your word and by your spirit this morning. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, now, uh, Rich has just started a, a football uh, group uh, meeting on a Wednesday evenings uh, up at Bourne. And uh, it's similar to one that I went, uh, started in my old uh, previous church a few years ago. We thought it'd be a really good way of just getting to know some other guys, having fun, uh, and eventually perhaps having a chance to invite them on to church things. And I remember very clearly the first time uh, that we all went down to the uh, football pitch on a Tuesday evening in that case. No one really knew each other. Uh, and no one really knew how good anybody was at football. And I remember the temptation, just as we started, we're kind of doing the warm-up, to try and impress people with my, my football skills, a bit of um, keepy-uppy, you know, the kind of thing, where you, um, you get the ball and then you... I, thought, I, I didn't... The risk assessment for bringing one in... <laughs> so you get the ball and you're going to get the knee and the old flare thing, you catch it in there, you flick it. It's a lot, it's a lot easier... Oh, no, it's gone. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's a lot easier when it's not real. Um, but the temptation was to try and sort of, you know, let people know you could play a bit. But actually, those kind of keepy-uppy skills, the flash things you see people doing in the warm-up, they actually don't really help when you're playing football at all. The fact that I was completely out of shape, couldn't really run, uh, and hadn't played football for 10 years, had far more impact on how useful I was to my team than whether standing on my own I could just flick the ball up in the air. But I remember that feeling of that temptation of wanting to sort of show off a bit. Actually, I'm, I'm quite good at that. I remember that feeling of wanting people to notice me and see what I could do. But actually, it wasn't a lot of help to the team. Well, bear that in mind, and we're going to come back to that a little bit later on. Paul has written this letter to the church in Corinth, and he's written it actually to correct a lot of the ways that they've gone completely off track. This church is divided over which leaders to follow instead of following Jesus. They're very proud of themselves. They've become rather puffed up with their own wisdom, rather than relying on what Paul calls the foolishness or the simplicity of the message of the cross. There's some terrible sexual immorality going on within the church family. And they're taking each other to court rather than showing grace and trying to work their disagreements through. And yet, despite all of that happening at this church, when Paul writes this letter, he addresses it to the saints in Corinth. He addresses it to holy people. Extraordinary when you think through that catalogue of ways in which they've clearly wandered from what God's called them to. And yet Paul writes to the saints in Corinth. And he does it because that status, if you like, that who they are is determined by what Jesus has done for them. And so he writes to them to say, this is who you are now. People who are set apart for God. Your lives are meant to be different, distinctive. You're meant to be a light to the world. So you need to put aside these ways that you've gone off track and come back to being the people of God. That's sort of what he's doing throughout the whole of the letter. But in the section that we're looking at today, he's particularly addressing that in the context of spiritual gifts. The gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to the people of God, to bring the kingdom of God into God's world. And it's worth noting, if you haven't already, 
that this reading that we've just had comes in chapter 12. And if you've ever been to a wedding, you probably will be very familiar with the next chapter, which is 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. And then Paul goes back to talking about the gifts of the Spirit in chapter 14. And we don't always see that when we just get a sort of snippet on the screen. But if you've got your Bible there or you look later, you'll see that these two key passages about the gifts of the Spirit are wrapped around the central theme of what it means to love. And that is absolutely crucial to understanding what these gifts are for. The gifts that God gives are there so that we can more faithfully and fully bring and show God's love to the world. Well, let's get into the passage there in 1 Corinthians 12. And the first thing that we see is that we have one God using different people. One God using different people. Now, the Corinthians, they thought they were very proud of themselves. They thought they were great. They thought they were doing really well. Perhaps the spiritual gifts were uh, evident to some extent. But they'd missed the fact that this is about God's glory being at work. And sometimes as is clearly the case in the church in Corinth, and sadly has been the case in other churches, the gifts of the Spirit that God gives have accidentally created a hierarchy, even to the point sometimes of implying or even explicitly saying, unless you have this particular gift, you're not really filled with the Holy Spirit in some places. But that's not what Paul says. In fact, nothing in the New Testament says that anything like that. It does say that we must be filled with the Spirit and go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. But the reality is, the biblical position is, that that means different people being gifted in different ways for different purposes. It's one God using different people to achieve what God is doing. Think of a sculptor creating a masterpiece out of a huge chunk of marble. I read a news item this week that the uh, marble that was used to, for Michelangelo to create his famous David had been rejected already by other sculptors because they didn't think they could work with it, that nothing good would come of it. And then Michelangelo said about creating what has become one of the masterpieces in world art. Now, I'm not going to claim to know anything more about it than that, But I would imagine that if you're creating a sculpture, a beautiful sculpture out of a huge piece of rock, you're going to have a number of different sorts of tools. Presumably, as you start to make the shape, you're going to have fairly heavy-duty tools, big chisels and axes and things, to, to get the sense of it, the overall shape, as you carve off large chunks of what you don't need. But as you go on and you get down to that incredible detail that those masters were able to make, you're going to need finer and finer and more precise tools to make the the tiny little differences to create that incredible lifelike effect. The master sculptor, as they make their masterpiece, uses a range of different tools. They wouldn't be able to do it all with a huge axe because you wouldn't be able to have the detail. You wouldn't be able to do it all with a tiny little precise chisel because you'd be there forever and you'd hardly move any of the rock away. Now you have different tools that work together to create your masterpiece. 
And so it is with God. As God creates his masterpiece, his church, his kingdom on earth, he uses different gifts, different people in different ways to work together to create what he's making. It's one God using different people. That's what Paul writes in this section here. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all. Whoever we are, if we put our faith and trust in Jesus, if we invite him to give us his Holy Spirit as he promises to do, then he will gift us, if we're open to him, to be used as part of him building his masterpiece on earth. And you say, well, that sounds a bit grand, Tom. You know, no disrespect to anyone, but I look around the church, not just here, but everywhere, and think, it doesn't quite look like a masterpiece yet, does it? <laughs> but come back to my opening point. The Corinthians were way off track, and yet Paul still called them saints, holy ones, set apart for God. It's not how well they follow Jesus that makes God love them. It's the fact that God's loved them which is going to help them to follow Jesus more faithfully, to be used in his service, to become more like him, to be shaped and crafted and created into what it is that God is doing. One God using different gifts in different people for his purpose. One God using different people. And my second point that Paul goes on to here is that it's one God bringing different gifts. This God who's going to send this same spirit to be at work in his people uses different gifts in order to build up, to challenge, to encourage, to convict, and to bring hope and change to his people. But it's all in that context of what God is doing. Verse 7, Paul writes, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good, for what God is doing, for the building up of his church, like the master craftsman. Unlike the Corinthians, who were all becoming rather proud of what they could do. A bit like me trying to show off badly with my football skills, thinking only about myself and how well I came across, how good a footballer I looked, rather than actually what was most helpful for the team. Paul says, to each one the spirit is given for the common good. It's not about us as individuals hitting certain levels of Christianity, but it's about being open to what God's spirit is doing so that the common good is made. And Paul then goes into detail about what these gifts can be. To one there is given through the spirit the message of wisdom, to another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. <clears throat> to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. It's one God bringing different gifts. And the history of church has been quite a debatable point about this. 
about to what extent we should expect or aim or hope to see the gifts, these gifts of the Spirit in the same way that they did in this, the early church. Well, I think as with everything we do, let's make sure that we're looking to stick to the biblical line. Trust what God has said. Because when it comes to something like this, which has been quite uh, divisive at times in the history of the church, the overall church, we probably all have a tendency, if we're absolutely honest with ourselves, when it comes to the gifts and some of these more dramatic things that God might do, we probably all have a tendency. For some of us, that tendency is to find all of this a little bit scary, a little bit extreme, a little bit worrying. And our temptation, if you like, is to sort of duck down below the biblical line, sort of just kind of, sort of just not have to think about it too much. For others, our tendency might be that we find all of this really super exciting. We think this, this, is, this is it. This is what Christianity is purely and simply about. And, and we just want to soar above what the Bible says and go off into all sorts of strange and different things that you won't find in Scripture. Now, th- th- those are extremes. But we probably, if we're honest with ourselves, we'll have a tendency either to dive below the line or to try and soar way above it. So let's stick to the biblical line. When we were praying before the service, and Martin might mention this again later, we had a picture of, of a boat <clears throat> and the wind, which is often a, a symbol of God's spirit, powering that boat along. That might come up again later for prayer. But I was thinking about that in the context of this passage, and particularly what we do with this teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I, 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 well, I was about to say I'm not a sailor, but what I'm about to tell you will make that very evident anyway, so I probably didn't need to preface that. I imagine when you're sailing in a sailing boat, you have to get the sails up and correctly fixed. Yes? I don't think that's not too controversial, presumably. Great. Thumbs up from people that know what they're talking about. The danger, of course, if you're trying to sail a sailing boat and use the power of the wind to transport you, one danger is that you lock the sails away because you're worried about that and you just keep them in the box and you don't go anywhere. Another danger is you're so keen to get going and and feel the power of the wind that you don't correctly set up your sails. You just fly them up the pole and see what happens. And of course, I imagine that leads to disaster. And as a metaphor, perhaps you could see that at times in the history of the church. There are times when we just sort of hunker down. I don't mean just us personally. I mean the wider church. If we trust that it's God's power that's going to take us along, that's going to give us these gifts, going to send his Holy Spirit to mould and shape us into being the the people that he wants us to be, the church that he wants us to be, the, the ones who represent and speak out the good news of Jesus to the world, then we can trust him. It's he who will provide the power to get us to where we need to be. But it's important that we do it in his way, with our sails tethered to his word. And that's why I think looking for that biblical line is the way to go. And if you know you have a tendency one way or the other, well, that's something to pray about, I think. That's something to pray about for yourself. And just reread this passage. Ask that God's word would really speak to you and be open to what the Spirit might be doing in you. But I hope what's come across this morning as I've reflected on this, those two points, one God using different people, one God bringing different gifts, that the key thing actually 
is that the gifts that the Spirit brings are to unify and build up the church. That's what Corinth had got wrong. They started to see these things as prestigious, hierarchical, something that elevated one above the other, just in the same way that they elevated one person's teaching above another. And Paul wants to bring them back and say, this is about one God, the one true God, achieving his purpose through the church. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So let's be open to what God is doing. Let's be ready to fly up the sail. Let's make sure that we're doing it for God's glory. That we're doing it for the good of everybody. And we're doing it recognising that the same one God uses different people and brings different gifts to craft his masterpiece, which is the church sharing and bringing the good news of Jesus to a world that desperately, desperately needs to hear it. So I'm going to move into a time of prayer now. I'm going to invite God to be at work amongst us as I believe he calls us to. Let's be open to him. But let's keep, always keep our Bibles open and hear his voice telling us that he sends his spirit and will equip us and gift us to achieve his purpose. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are God and you could achieve your purposes in the world in any way that you choose. And yet the way that you've chosen is to work through your people called into your family, called into your church. We read the story of places like Corinth and the history of the church and if we're honest, look at ourselves and we think, God, why would you do that? Why would you work through sometimes flawed, sometimes broken people? And Lord, it must be so that your power is at work and displayed through us. And so that other sometimes flawed and sometimes broken people see that the church is not a museum for the perfect, but a hospital, a mission room, a place for those who trust in Jesus and want others to come and be healed, restored and sent out by him as well. Heavenly Father, would you make sure that we are open in our hearts and minds to what your Holy Spirit is doing in and through us, individually, but most of all, corporately. Father, would you give us faith to believe that you do send your Spirit to us, that we can go on being filled And that it is not for our glory, but that we might be used for yours. Lord, if there's anyone here who feels they have nothing to offer, would your Holy Spirit come and show that in your power we all have a part to play? If any of us attempted to 
look to our own glory. Lord, would you convict our hearts? And together, may we use the gifts you give us to see your kingdom come, your gospel proclaimed, lives and eternities transformed in Southbourne and around the world. One God, Lord, using different people with different gifts for your glorious purpose. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.